welcome to the official podcast of the Entrepreneur Summit, events that teach you strategies from the experts, lessons learned from the trenches, and connections to take your business to the next level. Welcome to the official podcast of the Entrepreneur Summit. I'm your host, Aaron Smith. And yes, this is the podcast for the summit, which is coming up in just a few days here in Dallas, Texas. You can find out more information, get the speaker lineup, and of course, purchase your tickets over at entrepreneursummitdallas.com. And we've even added a new feature, which is really exciting. If you're not able to make the summit, you can still be there virtually, of course, but you can see and access all the live video plus the recorded videos. And you can find out more on the website at entrepreneursummitdallas.com. And of course, sign up for that too. We first want to thank all of our sponsors. Without this, this would not be possible. Of course, Southwest Airlines, and you can find out more about them over at southwest.com, along with the Frisco EDC. The event is in Dallas proper, but technically in Frisco, Texas. And there's honestly no greater place to build a business right now than Frisco. And you can find out more about them at friscoedc.com. Now, today's episode is with Knox Keith of Merge Forward. And this is in in relation to a panel that we're going to be having at the Entrepreneur Summit all about hiring. Hiring is one of those things that it's a necessary evil. Sometimes you don't want to let go of your baby. Sometimes it's a pain in the butt. I speak from experience of hiring the right people. You have to find some kind of bad ones to get to the good. But if you do it right, it is one of the best and necessary ways to build your business and scale. So Knox works with some pretty big brands and he is going to go over how he does that, how he continues to build a team, how to make it work right when sometimes you're building a team for another company that's not necessarily yours. And of course, how do you bring these people on and make it a really easy process for not just them, but yourself? So here is my interview with Knox. All right. Well, Knox Keith, welcome. You are with uh, Knox. For those of you guys who don't know, is with Merge Forward. He's a vice president over there, and I've had the chance of getting to know him. And it, just incredible what you do. I know you're one of your big clients right now is AT and T. You're doing a lot for them in terms of social media. I know you're doing a lot with YouTube with them, right? Correct. Managing all their stuff. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, what kind of teams just to get a, give us an idea of what you're running, what you're managing over there. Um, what kind of teams you're putting together over at at and Well, perfect. Thank you uh, for having me. Excuse me. So at and is very interesting. So I'm just getting used to the audio and a little bit of the feedback. Um, is that so, better? Cause I muted. Uh, no, I think there's just natural feedback that I'm not quite used to. So my apologies if I'm speaking a little slow. It might be better if I don't hear myself as much. You know what? Hold on, though, before you start talking. Okay. Do you have another blab window open somewhere, possibly? Because it does okay. it to me. Okay, let me double check. I do. That's what that's what it is. Shut it down. You'll, you'll, I do that sometimes. Is that better? Oh, it's way better. Okay. Let me double check and make sure if there's no more. One more. Is 
That must have been the blabber noise. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Get back to it. He must have closed out the blab window. There he is. Why is this? Except. Okay, I'm back. All right. So sorry about that. No, that's okay. Always a little technical difficulty your first time. So AT&T is a huge corporation, as most people know. Um, We, with Merge Forward, have a small presence there. Um, They do have a large social media presence. you know, with the different divisions from the entertainment group to the telephone group to the business solutions teams. And currently I'm playing a little bit between corporate communications and the um, the marketing team for business solutions. So right now, AT&T is investing heavily in video in 2016, and they really haven't had a video content strategy before. So we're working with them outside of, you know, the, the telephone business and the entertainment business with your son, DirecTV, the business side has been really an ad hoc process. So we're trying to clean up the YouTube channel. We're uh, trying to make it more user-friendly and then doing uh, a video content assessment uh, to show uh, the different types of content that um, they should be generating and where consumers are, are digesting it in the sales funnel. All right. Awesome. So hold on. now in my technical difficulties, I can't get the left side up. So hopefully we're recording. Fingers crossed. So I'm curious, how many teams or how many people are you running on a team per basis? Like, and and I want to talk about too because you're bringing people in and out, which I think is so intriguing to me. So, right. how many people are you having? You know, help you with certain things? Yeah. So my background is in management consulting. So with the management consulting piece, you're constantly bringing talent in and out and on and off projects, and you evaluate them for different criteria. So right now we have. Uh, the, the social media team has grown over the last two years, and these are not all merged people, but within AT&T from, I think, three people to almost 30 people. Um, uh, so the one of my clients, one of the directors, she's done a great job of figuring out where the gaps are and bringing in, excuse me, different talent to fill those gaps. On the merge side, uh, we've been tasked with, with right now, a main responsibility is um, – is the YouTube content strategy and some of the content creation around that. So, uh, you know, our, our team is really on a kind of a project by project basis, even within this larger organization. Awesome. So when you hire, what are you looking for specifically and kind of what's your strategy for bringing on the right talent? Cause I, this is one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs to really take on. Yeah. So from an entrepreneur perspective, it's, it's, it's a different ball game, right? So, to me, uh, when I was a management consultant, and even as I'm helping the client evaluate talent that she's bringing in and out, uh, you know, skill set maybe a little bit, but more importantly is personality. Can I work with this person? How are they uh, thinking in terms of learning and growing? Do they think they know everything already? So, you know, that's from a bigger team perspective. But as an entrepreneur, as we've grown Merge Forward, and we've been hiring contractors to do things, we had a hard time letting go at first um, because it's our baby and we've been working hard to build it. And, you know, oh, I, you go through this mindset of, oh, I just, if I just work harder and work harder and spend more hours, I can get it done. And really, you're kind of cutting your knees out from under you when you do that. And what I mean by that is um, 
if it may take me a little while to train somebody and if I can bring them in on a contract basis and kind of test them and then I invest my time and my effort with them and train them, then that will pay off because then some of those that that low hanging fruit gets done and I can focus on the high productivity, high value things that that my experience um, has brought me to. I'm curious about this because how much time are you willing to invest in training of a contractor? Cause I know sometimes it's a very hard line. It's like pay them a lot where you don't have to spend that money training or somebody who may not have the skills, but as a contractor, you could train them and they could leave the next day. And you're like, ah, that was money down the tube. So what's your strategy on that? Right. So it's, it's a lot of a balance of what you just said, right? It, it, how long am I going to, am, am I going to keep that person or can I keep them? Um, what are they interested in? Are there, I don't want to give them a reason to leave if I invest in them. Uh, but last year, for example, we had a, a contractor who worked with us and she was, she was fantastic, really sweet. But once she got into the job, she couldn't quite handle the pressures of it. And we thought we had evaluated her correctly. And then it was time for us to make a change and we had to make a change. The client needed it. We needed it. Um, she needed it because she wasn't happy. So yes, ideally you find the right person, the right fit, but like everything in life, it's not permanent and you have to keep that in mind. And so as a, as a, one of the best pieces of advice I received, my first manager job out of grad school was you were really, no matter where you are in your career, more of a general manager of a sports team. And I asked my boss, I said, what are you talking about? This is, this is work. And he said, no, it's, it's, you've got to constantly keep a pulse on talent, people that you know you can work with, people that you know that can get the job, or people that have a strong foundation and the willingness to learn to do the job if you need to train them. Because people are constantly getting promoted or a spouse gets a job somewhere else and they, they move. So, you know, you're not together forever. Yeah. And how do you... Like, how do you get them and keep them excited? Because you're in a really different situation in the fact that if I bring somebody on, it's my team. We're working on this, on the stuff my company's doing. Right. You're in a different situation because you're doing, you're, you're bringing people on to help your clients, which is a whole other company. So they're working for you essentially, but working on another, uh, for another company. How are you keeping, you know, your thumb on the pulse of their are they happy? Are they good with this? Are they fitting into not only your culture, but the other company's culture? Yeah, it's not, that's not always easy, right? So that yeah. goes back to hiring on um, more of a mindset, not necessarily skill. I can have, you know, a 4.0 student and someone who's, who knows a whole bunch of book smarts or other things, but if they don't have those interpersonal skills and I can't, and I can't train them or coach them or, uh, work with them, then they're not going to be of value to me. If I can take someone who's a, a little scrappier, or sometimes even rougher around the edges, and I know that each week I have to dedicate a certain percentage of my time, not just sitting at the desk working, but, you know, talking to the client, checking in on projects, you know, asking if they have any questions, offering advice, but not wanting to solve it for them, but building that relationship. And that allows, um, allows that kind of two-way communication and feedback. So you get a, a pulse of, of who they are and what's motivating them. I like it. And I know you'd mentioned too, and I'm curious about this, you've got people coming in and out of projects. 
you've got and you're and the project is continuing on as you're as you're doing it. So how how are you tracking? Let's talk about management tools. What are you using to manage? Like, are, do you have any tools you suggest on project management and keeping track of where things are, where they need to be? Yeah, we use several tools within the client. So in this case, the client dictates which tools we get to use because they're the ones paying the license fees. Um, so some more the two of the more popular ones are Google Docs. Um, almost everyone on the team uh, uses that in, in some capacity because some of them are on-site, some of them are off-site. Uh, some of them have access to the AT&T system, some do not. So that adds another layer of complexity to it. Um, so, and Basecamp is another popular one that uh, that we use to to share documents. And and it what Basecamp does is it keeps certain projects kind of contained in silos within that project, so that all the files related to that are in one place. You're not digging through emails or your own email or folder architecture to find things. And it's really made everyone a little bit more efficient and effective because you can control uh, the dialogue around a, a certain topic or project. Awesome. And then how are you tracking? Like, do you, how much, I hate to use documentation. Are you doing videos and stuff to like keep people up to date? So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time they come on board. Yes. So one of the things that we built out or AT&T's built out, we didn't particularly do it, that we built some onboarding tools. So as we've grown and we've added people to the team, there is that certain core set of knowledge that people need to grow from. And, you know, here's how you upload a Google Doc. This is what we're doing afterwards. Here are the, the legal ramifications and parameters that we must comply with. Um, here's what you must do in different circumstances. And that's really grown over the course of the last two years, two and a half years with this client. And it's become more structured. And now it's more of a, a formal process. But it's also with the onboarding is and I think this is an important aspect of it is don't put them under the fire hose to start with mm-hmm. build in the opportunity for them to start small, get their feet wet, get their feet firmly planted on the ground, start to build their reputation and their relationships. And then they can start to take on more and more of the workload. Okay. And what would you give for advice for someone who? is really like, we'll talk the starter, like getting ready to hire, what kind of advice would you give them? Because I know it's a, do you do like trials with people? Like I'm going to hire three people for the same, well, I'll give people three people a trial of this and see which one does best. Do you do that? Um, Not necessarily a trial. We try to make the right decision up front because it's an investment of, of time and your money and your sometimes emotional energies and other things that go into to running a small business. One of the things we try to do with Merge Forward upfront, and it, it takes a little bit of investment, a little bit of time, is to make sure that, especially in the, in the world that's more project by project, is we start with a standard non-disclosure, non-compete agreement, make sure that's in place, and we're eye to eye, like, hey, this is my client, and this is our client, and you will have to behave and do certain things in order to stay on with this client because otherwise, you know, it's your job too. Um, and then secondly, sometimes starting out, what we've done is, as I just described when we're, you're starting that small initial first project is we add addendums to the contract. So, hey, here's your first project. 
it, we think it's going to take you about six weeks to do it. Here's what the deliverables look like. Let's make sure we're in a grind agreement. And then let's touch base on a regular basis. So I can make sure that we are, um, we are in sync and that my vision and int- interpretation is the same as yours. Okay. And that's interesting. How much are you tracking of, t- this is another one too, especially contractors right? that really take you 30 hours or cause it should have probably taken you about three to four. Right. So how much handholding do you feel you have to do versus kind of trusting that that's another one I struggle with? Yeah, that's a good one to struggle with. And I think we all do. And I think part of it is stems from two things. One is relationship with the person. Um, and two is two pieces. One is you want to know if it's your business and if you, your client generally at least starting out until you get to be too big, you have a ballpark of what it takes to get a job done. And you also have to realize that not everyone's 100% productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Someone's chewing a dog bone beside me. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear it. You're fine. Okay, good. But she's wanting attention. It's distracting <laughs> me. So, so, you know, starting out, you, you know, you have to realize that not if you pay for 10 hours, you're not necessarily going to get exactly 10 hours, right? And that's hard to let go of sometimes. Um, but if you also give people the freedom to get the job done and the responsibilities, then you establish that trust. Um, yeah. And if you've got the rapport and the relationship, a lot of times what what I found personally is that, yeah, there may be certain types that try to take advantage of that and of you, but if you hire the right people, they're not going to do that. If you're nice and you you develop that relationship and that rapport, then um, then you want to make sure that that they're wanting to work harder. And then secondly, uh, what we often do too is don't pay by the hour. We pay by the project. So we've kind of have a ballpark. We know that roughly it'll be within five or ten percent. And most people like to do that too because then it, it they don't feel like you're micromanaging oh what did you where did you spend this 15 minutes where did you spend that and they become they become a little more then it's the burden becomes on them to become a to maintain efficiency and effectiveness that's a really good idea now you're in a position i was just talking to somebody about this over coffee today so you're in in a good position where you hire somebody you're billing at a higher rate you pay them you're the middleman right so that's how you're you're making your money now for positions that you may not be able to bill out. So, you you know, maybe admin type or other, how do you create an ROI plan? Because I think anybody you hire should be bring like, it should be, you should have a plan that it's in a position that you will make money. Cause you can say, okay, this takes this hours off this plate or this person can move into this position. How do you do um, how do you plan on those or how do you like kind of make the case for hiring somebody who, who you might not have a one for one on build hours versus bringing them in? Right. So yeah, and that's an interesting question too, because there's, there's twofold, right? Sometimes bigger companies dictate your margins mm-hmm. and they, they know what the going rate is. <laughs> so there's a lot of contracting firms that work with big agencies and I don't know what the cutoff is on the margins, um, but we're, we're trying not to play in that game. We're trying to play in the, in the, in the space that says we want to be a valued partner to you. Mm-hmm. And as, as that result, you know, you, we on our side had overhead and administration costs and other things you're trying to factor into all these different formulas. So it's, uh, it's not always a, a cut and dry answer to that. 
But then again, sometimes we're hiring people to do work for our company that's not always client work. And so we have to place a value on that of, okay, if, I, if I'm not having to do the accounting, right, or the, or the QuickBooks or, or the invoicing or all those other things, then I know that that takes me, let's say, 20 hours a month to do. And I scream because I don't like not, I don't like to, to get in that environment, right? Um, so I know the value to me is like, okay, I can spend those 20 hours more effectively managing a client, working on a deliverable or something else. So it's not always billable rate, but it's it, what frees up my time to make me a better uh, manager, boss, uh, uh, you know, client, manager, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a hard thing to make it, or it's a hard, hard balance. So what's been, you know, you guys, you said you scaled from three to 30. What's been one of your biggest challenges in that time? I think it's been like, what you guys been in business two years, right? Right. So what's been one of your biggest challenges getting to that point? Okay. So, um, there's kind of a, a split between this with, with the AT&T client, um, the social media team that I'm a part of is uh, has grown from three to 30. And those are not all Merge employees. So Merge has been around for two years and we're starting to grow and hire more contractors as we're starting to sell more work because we can't do it all ourselves or we don't have the skills to do it. And we're uh, that's how we're getting things done. So on the AT&T side, it's, sometimes it's still tough because there are more and more demands coming in as this organization is growing and taking on more responsibilities. And we're just one of the groups that has people that, that they're outsourcing to. There's a larger agency that has some of the work and then some of the work are full-time employees. So some of that's with the client budgets up. Okay, well, this is an expense versus this overhead that we have to maintain. And you know, it's it's a lot of pressure to to find the right young talent that's enthusiastic uh, and can work well in, in the, a really fast paced environment, and then making sure you onboard them and other things because if you wait six months, it's going to change. The the there'll be new opportunities or new people rotating in. Yeah. And what is your line? I'm curious to know what determines an employee versus a contractor, and where do you where do you decide, you know what, let's bring this person on as a full-time employee versus I, I feel safer just doing contract right now? Right. So with Merge, uh, everyone's a contractor. And um, that's just how we're managing it right now because we're all remote. And part of that is is our strategy of not growing too fast and maintaining the, the, the cost structure where it is and adding costs as, as we grow, kind of stair-step. I know other agencies... Other people have the vision of, oh, we want a big office and we want to have lots of people and, and this and that. And to us, that drives up the cost that we have to charge our clients. So at this stage of where we are in our growth cycle, it's let's make sure we're developing the relationships with the clients. Um, you know, most of our contractors have been with us since the beginning. Um, so it's not like it's it's not like we're constantly bringing in new new contractors. Um, but we all know that kind of role that we're not big enough yet to cover that overhead or we don't think that that we want to yet to take on those responsibilities. Yeah. No, so it's, to us, they feel a little bit more like team members and part of the family as opposed to contractors. Um, 
and I think I kind of maybe went off a tangent there. So if, if there was something I left off. Let no, me that's perfect. Cause it's just interesting to me because, you know, contractors can feel it's a little safer, right. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. There comes a time where you can look really cool with the big office, but then it's really stressful because you've got a lot of overhead. And, and like you said, you've, you've, you've got to cover this and charge your clients more. And it's just, it's a catch 22. So you have to be careful with that. Do you feel there's a time that you want to make a switch over? And do you kind of have a, like an idea for you of when you want to possibly bring on more employees versus, and this isn't like hold you to it. I'm just intrigued by the model and what you're thinking. Yeah. So I think um, for us, as the workload increases and those opportunities present themselves, we're certainly open to it. Um, but as one of the kind of founders of, uh, of, our, of our company, I like the flexibility of, of, of being a contractor myself. Um, so, uh, you know, not to say we're not going to get there, but right now I think we're pretty happy. And there's another model. I don't know if you've read uh, or know about uh, the company called Copy Blogger, mm-hmm. but they uh, a couple of years ago they they kind of hit the news because the Yahoo CEO that came in I forget her name yeah. said we're going to stop with all contractors and all remote employees everybody so, must come to the office and we wound up doing a story on them at South by Southwest and they were like that's silly you know we've got I forgot how big they were let's say maybe 29, 30 people maybe forty people and they're like we're remote all of us the technology allows us to be connected. We all get to know each other. We do things to make sure we're connected and we don't feel, you know, as we're not a part of something. Um, And they made a stance to do it. And they said, once a year we get together, it happens to be at South by Southwest. And we, you know, have done fun Fridays or other things virtually to get to know each other and build those relationships. And it's important. Like I've gotten to a point. So I was very blessed when I moved from Phoenix to Dallas, I lived in between the two and my company, the company I work for in Phoenix allowed me to work from home. And you get to a point where you're sitting in traffic for two hours, right? Trying to get there at eight o'clock in the morning. And you're like, this is plus the hour you had to get ready to get in the car. And you're like, this is three hours of wasted productivity, wasted productivity. And it's like, I'm more apt to, if I couldn't have had the life that, you know, I'm so blessed with two little kids. I'm home with them, but I work and to have that flexibility. And I think more people would find more, you know, even moms or whatever willing to work if there could be some sort of balance. And I get more work done working from home because the office never shuts down. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but I don't know if you found that too. So I I agree, like being able to be open to people working from home is important. It it adds to the balance, right? So yes. I, I like you, there's been several stages in my life where I have gotten to work from home and there's a side that misses the interaction with work and people, but, um, but at the same time I can take conference calls and make sure the laundry's done. Right. And, and I'm not worried about having to do that after an hour to work and an hour back and then Holy cow, I'm tired. And I still have to find something to eat and do dishes and feed the kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for us, there's a, you know, we're, while we may not have a, 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 a big office presence, currently one of the things we have done is we've done um, some temporary office housing with Regis. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it gives us a chance for two to four of us to show up and work together without the high overhead of the fancy office and the beautiful 
art decor and other things that so many agencies like to have to, to show how big and powerful they are. Yeah, no, I agree. And Sean is saying, and this is a hard thing. So he's saying he struggles. Uh, we're kind of talking about the work from home. It's spending money in an office. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really more productive. So this is a true story. So I, I get sick of working really late in the night because I'll work till two, three in the morning. So I said, you know, I'm going to do this whole thing of people get up early and work. So I got up. My son heard me get up. So he comes down. Hey, mom, can you help me do this? Mom, can you help me do my And then you have this like, and so it's hard with littles because they don't understand or even, you know, as they get older too, you're there. So you, it's hard to draw a line too, to say I'm, I'm working and you don't want to constantly have to say I'm working because then you have that guilt. It's coming right. out of your mouth. So it is definitely a balance of with, with kids at home. And, and then you don't, I don't want to go to an office all day because it's the reason why I've built the lifestyle I've built is to not have to be in an office all day. So it's definitely, right. um, yeah, it's a struggle. It is. And, and my office in my house is a loft. So there is no door to shut, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and lock them out. But I also have teenagers. So that morning time is a lot easier now because the teenagers are, tend to sleep a little bit later than the, the little ones do. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to teenage years, but there are some aspects <laughs> that would be nice. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, it's been like, I was laughing this morning because he did it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up at five and I'm sitting here. Hey mom, can you help me build my Lego plane? Can you help me do this? And I'm just like, oh yes. Okay. I'll do yes. that. That's a, Sometimes that's a struggle with, with being a parent and working from home, but it's, it's a nice one as long as you're not, as long as you, you know, take a break. So one of the things that, that we do with the kids sometimes is I'm like, okay, no devices for 30 minutes. What? Not even TV? No, we're going to hang out. Yeah. So as long as you're dedicating the time to focus on them and be present, but it's easy as an entrepreneur to get sucked in because, oh, I can just do one more thing. I can do one more of these things. And before you know it, it is three o'clock in the morning. If you're still up working. It is. That's my big problem. Well, Knox, thank you so much. Uh, please tell people where they can find you. Where's the best place to send them? Um, so there's two places. Um, one, I'm going to be at your Entrepreneur Summit at the end of uh, next month. Mm -hmm. So come join us there. Secondly, I'm on Twitter at Knox Keith, K-N-O-X-K-E-I-T-H. Uh, and those are the two best places. Look for us at mergeforward.com. And of course, uh, I'm in social media. Connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd love to see you and talk to you and share stories. Sean, thank you so much for your comments and questions. Uh, we appreciate the participation. I know it's so quiet today. I'm so this is what's weird. So of all that's going to be on our notes page over at uh, entrepreneursummitdallas.com too. But um, there, this is off. I'll cut this out, but there's something going on. Well, blab is quiet. So Sean, I don't know if you can see my side. So Sean's a big blabber. He's always on blab. Uh, he does his own show just to give you some background. And now my dogs are going to bark, but um, Something is going on funky. After I let Knox in, Sean, I don't know if this has been happening to you, but my whole left panel is gone. So where I can see the recording, where I can see people tweeting, I usually can see a full number of people who have viewed versus just the number in the room. Something's really weird about, and I've heard Blab has been acting very strange lately. So I don't know if that's a... Um, if that's why things are quiet or, I mean, it is Friday at four o'clock, right? Like we should be drinking right now. Let's be honest. True. But, uh, you know, instead of working, but uh, yeah. So the map started flashing on his show. I don't even have a map on this show, Sean. So this has been a very weird interface today. 
So um, I'm like, are people seeing this? We see some people coming in. So it's been quiet. So I don't know what's going on, but I, I pray to God this recorded. We're going to find out in a few minutes. It's My record thing is on. So. Okay, good. So we're good on that front. But uh, Knox, thank you so much. And if you guys have questions, um, I'm going to put it over here too. I know we're in a small group, but um, Knox is in the starters club group too. So if you guys have questions about hiring or want to run stuff past him or whatever, he's over there. Feel free to ask questions. Uh, voices actually sound deeper. Well, I have, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick. So it might be that too, Sean, my voice sounds, I don't know, maybe it's not, but uh, yeah. So thank you for this. I, I, I think it's such an intriguing topic. I think too many people assume you just go hire, right? You got to build something. So you just go hire people and, I, I, um, got the hiring thing down in my first couple companies. I learned how to do it. Not well, but I learned how to do it. And now this one, it's been so intriguing to me because I've, I've done everything I tell people not to do hired friends. All right. They don't, you know, I'll teach, uh, I, I, I love to help people. So I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll help you. Let me show you what to do. And then I end up like writing checks for way too much money with nothing done. And I'm like, it's just, it's a, especially with contractors, it's kind of a different, um, yeah. Hired a friend's spouse. Mm, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> we all have a friend. Somebody was telling me today, she's like, I just thought I'd figure I'd give my mom some work to do. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> you know, like, but you just have this because it's easy. They can do it from home. So they'll just do it. And you realize it takes a certain person to be able to work from home and work from home well with the distractions uh, and all of that, um, all of that stuff. Yeah, Douglas, you definitely can use Blab as a way to um, build. You can use Blab as a ton of different ways to build your business. So um, yeah, Periscope, I agree, Sean, is probably the better, unless you want to do coffee chats. It was kind of off topic. But Knox, thank you so My much. Pleasure. And uh, we'll we'll go live with this um, probably in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, the pod, or the summit is like five weeks away, so it's definitely coming up. We are excited. I am too. I'll be excited. <laughs> I'm kind of excited. I hope you're going on vacation when it's over. I am. I am. Yeah, I think there'll be uh, some Southwest flying tickets in there at some point. So most definitely. Excellent. All right, well, Axel. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you on Blab again soon. You guys yes, are using this. All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye.